the very end of it. At least Virgil thinks this is going to be the end of it, but it's going to be the end as far as he's concerned right now. Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast in which we slow walk passage through passage all the way through comedy, and we are up to Inferno Canto 11, lines 52 to 66, the final moments of Virgil's mapping of hell. Where are we? We're sitting under a tomb of a heretic pope. We're trying to get used to the stench from the last circles of hell below us. And to pass the time, Virgil says, I'm going to explain what's ahead, (laughs) basically to save time so that you'll know it when you see it. Here's what I'd like to do in this episode of the podcast. I'd like to start all the way back at line 16 of Canto 11 and read the entire Mappa Inferno from Virgil. I'll give you a cue when we get to the moment that is the actual passage for this episode of the podcast. But other than that, here it is, the whole map of the road ahead. My son... Down inside these rocks, he began to say, are three smaller circles, a concentric gradient, like the ones you've just left. All are stuffed with wretched spirits. But so that the mere sight of them will be enough for you, listen to how and why these are constrained. Injustice is the finish line of every evil that picks up the hatred of heaven. And the end of it all, whether by force or by fraud, is to hurt someone else. But because fraud is an evil that is especially human, it displeases God even more. That's why the fraudulent are situated lower down and more pain assails them. The first circle is all about the violent, but because force may be directed at three persons, The circle is actually constructed and divided into three smaller rings. Against God, against oneself, and against one's neighbor, you can commit acts of violence. That is, against them and their possessions, as you will hear through clear reasoning. Death by force and ghastly wounds may be thrust upon one's neighbor. What's more, their effects may be subject to pillaging, arson, and even extortion. Therefore, when it comes to murderers and those who inflict willful harm, as well as plunderers and predators, the first of the smaller rings torments all these in separate sections. People can then lay violent hands on themselves and their own effects, and so the second smaller ring holds those who repent without any results. That is, the ones who deprive themselves of your world, the ones who gamble away and squander their nest eggs, the ones who weep where they should be happy. A person can also use force against the deity when we deny or commit outright blasphemy in the heart and also by disrespecting nature and its beneficence. So the smallest ring seals with its signet both Sodom and Cahor, as well as those who get violent against God in their hearts or tongues. And this is the passage, lines 52 through 66, for this episode of the podcast. People can use fraud by which every conscience is chewed up against someone who trusts them and against the ones who have invested no trust. The method of the latter cuts only the bonds of love that nature makes. Thus, in the second circle is nested hypocrites, flatterers and magicians, counterfeiters, thieves and simoniacs, panderers, barriters, and similar garbage. 
The former method of fraud wipes out the bonds made by nature as well as that which is added to it, namely that which is created by a special sort of trust. Therefore, in the smallest circle, at the point of the universe at which this is enthroned, whoever is a traitor is eternally consumed. That's the whole thing, all the way from line 16 to 66. Wow. What I want to do is say something about Virgil, come back to the passage itself and just pick it apart a little bit for you, and then say something about the lower circles in general. Virgil is a scholastic. This may be the most shocking development in comedy. I know we've had people in rivers of sticks sunk down the solid. We've had the threat of Medusa up on the walls of Dis. We've had wasps with the neutrals. We had a lot of stuff that's crazy. Minos, Cerberus, Karen and his boat. This honestly for me may be the most shocking development of all. Virgil has become a scholastic theologian. He's arguing in the most au courant medieval way of arguing. That is, by taking points, by pulling them apart, by making further and further deductions based on those original points to create smaller and smaller sets of conclusions out of original propositions. He is becoming what Aquinas is. He is becoming the very way medieval theology is practiced. And this is shocking. Virgil is an old Roman poet. He would know nothing of scholastic reasoning. Maybe he's picked it up in limbo. Maybe they're up there discussing Aquinas. It seems so out of character. Two things. One, we are beyond the walls of Dis. And as I have explained endlessly, we are beyond the Virgilian landscape. So Virgil is now at a place where Virgil the poet could never have gone. That is, through the walls of Dis and on toward Tartarus or the abyss or the deep pit of hell itself. So this is a new Virgil and it's a new understanding of the offense that is at risk here. Gone are the seven deadly sins. Gone is lust, gluttony, avarice, anger. Instead, we're talking about heresy and now violence and fraud and two kinds of fraud, as we'll discuss. All those deadly sins. What happened to sloth? What happened to envy? What happened to pride? What happened to the rest of them? They're gone. And a new notion of the offenses have taken their place in Inferno. This is why so many commentators for so long tried to see all of the rest of the seven deadly sins, the proud, the envious, the slothful, all down there in sticks because they couldn't stand the fact that Dante started down through the deadly sins and then stopped and made a different notion of, of offense itself. Virgil's character has changed. Yes, he has spoken at length before in Canto 2. He told us that long story of being called by Beatrice. And while some of it was in Beatrice's voice and some of it was in Lucy's voice and some of it was, you know, <laughs> kind of a telephone tag that went on, 
It was all Virgil's voice. There's a way you can claim, and we'll talk about this much later up in Purgatorio. There's a way you can claim that that's not really Beatrice. That's the Beatrice that Virgil needs to see and not the real Beatrice. Because the Beatrice from Canto II doesn't look anything like the Beatrice who shows up in Purgatory. But be that as it may, let's leave that alone for now and just say we've had him have a long speech about getting the call to save Dante of Canto II. And then we had that long speech based on Boethius on the Wheel of Fortune amongst the avaricious. But now this, this seems completely different. This is high-level scholastic reasoning. Virgil himself, who had a very poor notion of the harrowing of hell, even though he witnessed it, and a very poor notion of what the end of the world will look like when he referred to God as a hostile force. Virgil may be, no, not may be, Virgil is, the single most problematic character in comedy. His personality slips right and left, and this represents a major slip, change, development, rethinking of Virgil. Some way in which Virgil isn't quite Virgil, or at least the Virgil we started out with who fudged his own resume. Now he is a very secure scholastic reasoner. Let's pass on to the passage itself. Virgil begins his assessment of the final two circles of hell. Remember, in the last episode, we had that long passage about the violent and divided into three parts. And now we're going to have the final two circles of hell, circle eight and circle nine. And they are all about fraud and the two kinds of fraud. And Virgil begins his assessment by saying people can use fraud. And notice this, by which every conscience is chewed up. There is something about fraud that is particularly destructive to the conscience of humans. I want to talk more about that in a minute. Against someone, so you can commit fraud, against someone who trusts you or against someone who has invested no trust in you. Those are the two kinds of fraud. And I should just tell you that that line against the ones who have invested no trust is a little problematic. The verb there is non imborsa. And... It's, it's, a, it's a coining word. So it's something about you can commit fraud against someone who trusts you and against someone who has never been stamped in the image of the trust or coined in the image of trust. Um, another way to maybe say it is it's a banking word against the ones who have never banked on that trust. Or you can even, the full word is in a purse. So against those who have never put trust in their purse, um, that's in Borsa. That's kind of back behind it. There are lots of scholarly articles on this difficult concept of in Borsa. But basically what we're having here is there's two kinds of fraud. There's fr the fraud you commit against someone who trusts you. So let's say we're friends and we've been friends a long time and you totally trust me. You, you, I've watched your house when you've been on vacation. I've, I've taken care of your kids. I've fed your dogs. Um, you know, you totally trust me. And then I turn around and trash your house while you're away on vacation. That's fraud against someone who you have put your trust in, that we have a trust relationship. Or fraud against people who have no trust. There's no investment between the two of us, no coinage of trust between the two of us. And that's like a, a, an email from 
you know, your Kenyan relative or your Nigerian relative who is reminding you that you've left $15 million in your Nigerian account if you'll only click this link. There, there's no trust between the two of us, right? And so this is the kind of fraud being committed in which we had not first coined trust between us. And so now Virgil is going to explain the two types. And in typical in typical scholastic reasoning, he's going to actually then pull them back apart in opposite directions. So he starts out with the fraud that is against someone who has trust and then who has no trust. And then when he comes back out, he, he makes a chaos moves and he comes back out and starts talking about the no trust first. So here's the first bit of the two divisions, the no trust. The method of the latter, that is the person who's never coin trust, never put trust in a purse, never banked on trust, only cuts, and the word is really important here, it's cuts into, cuts through, it has a knifing imagery to it, only cuts the bond of, the, of love that nature makes. So the natural bond between humans that is supposedly part of our humanity is cut by this kind of fraud in which there's no invested trust. We should be we should be nice to each other. We're going to talk about more about this in a minute and St. Thomas Aquinas, but we should be nice to each other because we're all humans and we're all in this together and we should all, you know, um, uh, have a certain kind of love for each other and yet you don't see that and you don't practice that and so you've committed fraud against me. You've broken the natural human bond between us. So in the second circle, and when he says second, remember he's talking about the three lower circles circles, first the violent, then this one, and then the next one. He really means what we're going to say is the eighth circle of hell. But in the second of his map that he's building is nested. And then he goes through a list. And I should tell you that I translated this list in a specific way. The list actually in the Florentine goes back and forth between the sin committed or the sinner committing the sin. So uh, for example, when I said counterfeiters, thieves, and simoniacs, it's more like counterfeiters, theft, and simony. But I just translated it all out. I willfully mistranslated it all out as just the various sinners themselves instead of, of alternating between the sins and the sinners. So here they are, hypocrites. If I don't if, if I do not do what I say as a hypocrite, well, there you go. I have violated the basic human bond between us. Flatterers? <laughs> My God. Goodness, I will say so much more about that when we get down to them. Magicians or, or sorcerers, those who create magical acts. Counterfeiters, this is interesting. Thieves, thieves. So thieves are lower down in hell than murderers. Oh, wait till we get there and talk about it. Simoniacs, that is people who commit simony, that is the selling of church offices for profit. People who say, eh, give me X amount of money and I'll make you cardinal. I'll make you bishop. I'll give you I'll give you a little curate out here. You know, get a little uh, retirement, a little, you know, just give me a kickback on that. Simoniacs. Panderers, barriters, barriters, people who sell political office. So give me a little money and I'll get you on the city council. <laughs> My gosh, there must be 8 billion of these running around the United States these days. Give me a little money and I'll make you a congressman and similar garbage. What's interesting here and what everyone has to point out is that Virgil actually misses three of the sins in this eighth circle of hell. In his big list of all the types of sinners that are down there, that similar garbage that ends the list, the basically the etc., covers up three other sins that are not listed as here. Seducers, 
schismatics, and then, oh, a third sin that's hard to define, but it may be false counselors. It may be something else. We'll have to wait until we get down to Ulysses and talk about that. Yes, Ulysses from Homer, that Ulysses. We'll have to wait till we get down to Ulysses and talk about that. But uh, that, that sin of false counseling, it may not be the sin that's being punished in that circle. But we'll talk about it in the, well, it's not even a circle. You'll find out it's a pit. But anyway, Virgil leaves out some of them. Uh, two questions here. Is Dante the poet basically asking his reader to stay on on their toes, you know, stick up on your toes. I'm going to give you a list of what's ahead, but hey, keep 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 up on your toes because there's going to be more that are coming besides this. Or is it that, and I tend to prefer this one, is it that as the poem is being written, it's being developed? And so, yeah, Virgil lists off a bunch of the people down in the eighth circle of hell, a bunch of the center types, but there's some left out because after all, this is a poem partially in process as we're reading it. All right, those are all that first simple form of fraud, the fraud that only, whoo, that's a big word, only cuts the bond of love that nature makes. And then we get to the former method of fraud, and this is the ninth circle of hell, the farthest down, the former method of fraud, that is, Fraud against someone who trusts you wipes out the bonds made by nature, that is that bond of love that is common humanity, as well as that which is added to it, namely that which is created by a special sort of trust. Now, this is really the bad stuff. This is when you have put your trust in me and now suddenly I have violated that trust. I've committed fraud on you by violating that trust. We'll find out that everybody down in the circle nine, everybody down there in this sort of fraud also has blood on their hands. But that's for a future podcast once we get down there. Therefore, in the smallest circle, at the point of the universe at which dis, dis, that old classical name from classical mythology of Satan, at which dis is enthroned, Whoever is a traitor is eternally consumed. And you should know when we get down there, they're not consumed. There's something else is happening to them. Uh, some of them are being eternally consumed. Three of them are being eternally consumed. The rest of them are not being consumed. Rather, their punishment is different. But we can talk about this. Dante may be seeing, the poet may be seeing ahead toward what he wants to do to the three greatest sinners who are being eternally consumed, and yet he hasn't worked out the full scheme of what this ninth circle looks like. But the most important thing to take away from this is this is enthroned at the smallest point, and this is the center of the universe. Remember? Here we are. We're in a geocentric universe we're sitting here with the sun and the moon and the planets and the stars going around the earth and at the very center of earth the center of the universe we find that satan dis is enthroned amongst all the traitors the people who violate trust and love between humans this brings me out to my last point this is the city of hell. Remember, we crossed into the city of hell. And who is in the city of hell? Heretics, 
the violent fraudsters and the treacherous. This is a mockery of the nature of human civil society for Dante. This is the body politic gone most sick for Dante because for Dante, Pope and King will be an alliance that together would form the best society. If the Pope and the King stayed each in his, and it's a he, of course, his own lane, and each ruled and had authority based on their convictions, grace, and God, then society would run orderly. The mockery of society is here, inside the city of hell. Let's talk about this just a little bit more. Remember up in the passage that I read you, the whole passage, way back at line 25, Virgil said that the most fully human sin is fraud. It is specifically human. Why is that? Well, because God is omniscient. You can't commit fraud against God. God knows everything by theological definition in Christianity. And since God is omniscient, God can't be the object of fraud. God already knows what the whole thing going down is. You can't pull a Nigerian email scam over on God because God is, again, omniscient, all-knowing. What does that mean, though, here? What it means is the deepest-rooted sin for Dante is a sin that people commit against each other, not against God. The deepest, farthest pit point of the universe, the depths of hell, are what people do to each other, not what people do to God. And we can even see this right here in Dis itself. The heretics are up at the top. Well, up at the top, such as it goes in hell, but they're in the sixth circle. They're the, the topsters here. As we come down, we're going to find plenty of clerics and popes down amongst the fraudsters. We're going to find plenty of religious people on down, but most of the sins on down after the heretics are civil sins. They're sins that destroy human society in some fundamental way. By Doing this, Dante is actually contradicting his source. He's contradicting Cicero. Cicero claims that fraud and violence are both antithetical to being human. Dante, in Virgil's mouth, is claiming, no, not violence and fraud, just fraud. Fraud is specifically human. I want to just back up and say something about this for just a second about the sources. Notice that Dante's using Aquinas, he's using Cicero, he's using all these places to pick up this notion of what the sins are and to develop this notion of lowest hell. So we have a multiplicity of sources, and this is going to allow and continue to allow a multiplicity of voices. A multiplicity of sources engages, permits, allows, makes space for a multiplicity of voices. You too. This is who you are. You are a multiplicity of voices from what you've read, what you've studied, from your mother, from your grandmother, from your children, from your aunts, from your friends. You too, you're an echo chamber of voices. And you know what? You don't speak in one voice either. And if we find the poem at times is, oh, I don't know, listing off exactly who the fraudsters are or is slipping in Virgil's character, 
we should remember that a multitude of sources permits, allows, engages, promises a multitude of voices, a multitude of points of view. In fact, one of the points of view here is Aquinas, second part of the second section of the Summa Theologica, question 109, answer 3. What is Aquinas's problem with humans? <laughs> so many problems. But what is one of the basic problems? Aquinas right there says that humans are social creatures. And here's the quote from Aquinas. People cannot associate with each other unless they believe they are telling the truth. Aquinas claims that is the basis of human society and humans are social creatures. And what do we have here? We have a kind of Thomistic, Aquinas, Thomistic understanding of the universe. That is, that civil society, the way humans have to get on, is they have to trust each other. And think about this. The circle eight, where we have the simple fraud that just cuts the bond of love that nature makes. Circle eight is going to be made up of cantos eight. 18 through 30. Remember I told you the violent were cantos 12 through 17, and I said, wow, that's the longest point so far that we've encountered a single circle in hell? Well, I was thinking in my head, yeah, wait till we get to fraud. Because circle eight, fraud, simple fraud, that's cantos 18 through 30. That's a giant stretch of inferno. And circle nine, the people who not only cut the bond of love from nature, but also commit a, uh, uh, an offense against a special sort of trust, that's cantos 32 through 34. Three cantos at the bottom is circle nine. Canto 31 is actually a transitional uh, canto, but we'll count it in the mix. That means from Canto 18 to Canto 34 takes in fraud and treachery. That's 17 cantos. That's half of Inferno. Half of Inferno is devoted to the sins of fraud and treachery. Why? Because Dante is most interested in that which destroys the body politic. That which destroys human society finds its place in the entire back half of Inferno. So much ahead of us because it is what humans do to each other that is the root of the offense for Dante. Because, listen, face it, God's way up there in the Empyrean. God's in the ninth heaven, way up above everything else. God's untouchable. God's also omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's also omniscient. He knows everything. He's all powerful. You can't touch God. You can't do anything. You might think you can throw a curse at God's face. It doesn't do anything to God. It, God is unaffected by all of this. But humans, highly affected. Who's the most affected? Dante, on the run, in exile. This person found that the basic, most central offense is what people do to each other. You might think we're done. We're not. There's more questions ahead. Our pilgrim hasn't spoken in a long time. And in fact, Virgil's map has got a couple problems in it. And our pilgrim is just going to be gutsy enough to ask the old poet, hey, 
how come this part doesn't make sense and how come that part doesn't make sense so in the next two episodes ahead the pilgrims question back about the mappa inferno and how the mappa inferno hmm, seems to be contradictory in places and doesn't quite work out the way that the pilgrim at least thinks it should so subscribe like this podcast write a review that would be great somebody just wrote a review that said that this podcast has been the way they have survived the pandemic of covid i can't imagine a higher compliment go down to the bottom of the apple page you'll see a way to write a comment there subscribe come back we got two episodes on why virgil's entire cute wonderful (laughs) completely holistic schema of hell may not be all it's cracked up to be on the next episodes of Walking with Dante.